Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. I'm Elder Jackson, and I'm conducting the meeting today. Of course, presiding is Bishop Jensen, as always, holder of Priesthood Keys and King of our content here. He he comes up with all of the topics we talk about. He just messages me and says, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? <laughs> and, uh, and of course, we're joined once again by, uh, was it counselor or president? What, what, what should we call I, you? Just counselor. Counselor. Just, just, just counselor. Perfect. All right. But we have a stake reorganization coming up, so I might, uh, I don't know, become stake president. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you're a shoe in. I mean, you are righteous of, of righteousness. Uh, so today we're <laughs> we're talking about, I feel like I, I like to do these whirlwind intros. Um, today yeah, we're I, you're, you uh, you you can for sure uh, conduct every meeting. Okay, I'll uh, I'll continue yeah. with the conducting then. Um, yeah. Okay, so today we're talking about the ridiculousness of all of this, which we've talked about before. Specifically, what we're going over is how like some things were totally passable to us while we were in the church, and then suddenly, <laughs> suddenly one thing wakes us up, like. A rock and a hat is totally, totally off base, but Angel Moroni absolutely makes sense. All the sense in the world. I mean, like there were, uh, when I was in high school, I had a bunch of born again Christian friends. We were in phys ed together. We were, we were doing a bowling unit and they were asking me about peep stones and stuff like that. And I was like, well, you know, the Urim and Thummim. And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's in the Old Testament somewhere. But that's what Joseph Smith used. And it was like in these glasses attached to a breastplate. And that's what he looked through those. And so I was bowling. And just as I'm about to let go of the ball, they say, goggles, go. And I, <laughs> like, I fall over because I'm laughing so hard. And I was like, I was like that, yeah, that story is absolutely ridiculous. But it's true. <laughs> but it's true. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I think, the, okay, I just want to touch on the whole Urim and Thummim thing. Like the rocks attach, like I always was thinking glasses and then it's like, oh, and it's attached to a breast breastplate. And I was like, what? Like, why would you put, that doesn't make any sense. Like that was always something that I was like, this sounds a little bit weird, but I guess maybe breastplate is just a word I don't fully understand. So well, I re like, I remember learning about the breastplate because it's in the introduction of the Book of Mormon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the pictures and being like, well, why isn't he wearing a breastplate? Right, because he said he used the breastplate to translate it, and I like my parents or whoever just saying, like, well, he didn't use it all the time. He just that's what got him going. Kind of that's how he got started, and then he just had the gift after that. I was like, okay, sure. Well, I just imagined like this, like this football shoulder pad. Yeah, you know, piece of equipment that had these big, you know. You know, when you go to the doctor's office or the eye doctor's oh. office and they try, you know, various uh, right. lenses over your eyes. So those were connected to the breastplate and, you know, they came up over the eyes and they were used to look through and translate the the plates. And that is, so that is crazy. Like in your, like in your mind, that. they were that big? <laughs> like they were, yeah, like they, they were, the, they had to be worn. They had to be like used to like look through hands free. Like why would, why else would there be a, breastplate like this, i just thought of them as like regular sized glasses this, stuck to a breastplate this was always my justification i kind of pictured like the thing from uh national treasure with the little you know the thing ben franklin 
had that like <laughs> the switch the lights uh, or the the lenses um i you know i always justified it as well now we have like google translate and stuff you can take pictures of things and it'll translate it for you right and i i'm like oh yeah like god just has better technology and then my idea of god started to become like thor from the marvel movies you know oh it's technology it's just super advanced technology it just looks like magic to you that's like how i justified it was basically like god is an alien you know like yeah. a super advanced alien that was my justification and it worked it worked for a while like i even thought i like i would think i would prefer a picture with him wearing the breastplate mm-hmm when I was active, like it was, and I get like, when you take a step back from it, it's like, Oh, like, how did I not, how was the writing not on the wall for me? Even just saying it out loud the first time. Oh, well you had a breastplate and you, you know, you're in thumb, something in the old Testament. Like, come on guys. Yeah. Like, how is that not so ridiculous that I was like, and even in, I think that's why Mormons get nervous to share their religion is because it's like, you've got to talk about a lot of weird things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, in, in, in somewhere in your mind, you know, they're weird. Mm-hmm. Even the right? polished stuff, like even the polished yeah. stuff, you're kind of sitting with it. Like, well, you know, like eh, maybe this doesn't make that much sense. And so, you know, I'm not going to say that. And then of course, when people are like, Oh, well, why didn't you tell me that? It's like line upon line precept upon precept that's like the excuse right for, yeah yeah right <laughs> it's so bad your ways are not their ways right exactly his mind is higher than your mind <laughs> can't cast your pearls before swine before swine right yeah, like yeah. Oh. all of these little adages that yeah that you can use to justify you know keeping secrets and and not sharing different things and it's like well hmm like when you start thinking about it you're like that doesn't really that doesn't really hold up to scrutiny right especially when it's like you have to join the club and start paying your dues to the club before you get to find out about everything else like it is weird isn't it well we walk by faith right so we shouldn't um (laughs) we shouldn't expect to know everything because if we did then it wouldn't be faith and then and then, like, and then God would have more, he'd be able to condemn you more because you have pure knowledge and right. you can act in accordance with it. Right, right. right. Okay. Which <laughs> this is, is a cyclical nightmare. <laughs> which is another thing. <laughs> I was I was talking to to my brother and and he was saying how in this institute class um, that is taught by somebody I think we all might know, definitely Andrew knows or Bishop, sorry, knows. Um, and and he was saying how, oh, yeah, you know, like he gets into the controversial stuff, which he does actually a little bit more than most CES employees would. And he uh, and he's talking about this and he says, yeah, you know, he, my brother's praising him and saying, you know, yeah, he talks about Joseph Smith marrying a 14-year-old and whatever, right? And and I said, yeah, okay, but, like, that still doesn't make it right, <laughs> you know? Like, that's just just because it's talked about 
now and they like address it in gospel topics essay and then you're talking about having you know the perfect knowledge and stuff and being held to a higher standard i was thinking about that i was like wait a second it's like he should know better like yeah but for some reason i was okay with that as a kid i was like well it was just a different time i polygamy is an interesting one you bring up because it's okay you're okay with polygamy but i think what the breaking point sounds to be usually on different like Mormon stories episodes I hear is either polyandry or how young some of the girls are. So it's mm-hmm. like, you guys watch community. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's that one episode where Brit is like, I can excuse racism, but bare naked <laughs> ladies are untouched or whatever. Right. And it's like, you can excuse racism. And it's kind of like, it's the same thing with polygamy. It's like, you were okay with polygamy, but polyandry was too much or marrying young girls was too much. But Hey, if they're, you know, between the age of 18 and 35, you're okay with polygamy. Like, why is, why was that kind of polygamy okay when polyandry or marrying 14 year olds? Like, how is that just a stretch too far over the mountain of bullshit you're already swallowing? <laughs> right. Or, or I, I mean, you also get uh, people who say, oh, but if they brought polygamy back, like I, I would never, you know, it's okay that, it, you know, that it happened. But if it was happening, as long as I don't have to do it, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, th- one other thing. Well, do you guys have anything else? I think that was just like you accepted most of the crap, but there was just one thing where it was like, uh, this is too much now. Hmm. I. False start? Is that what they call it? Yeah, that's what they call it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, with with Blacks and the Priesthood, because it didn't directly impact me, it didn't it was never really an issue. But like after about, you know, after thinking about it and like really getting into it, you're like, this is this is unbelievable. Like, like literally unbelievable. And they say Joseph Smith um had ordained um a black man in his early um, minist- like ministering. Uh, but then that was undone by Brigham Young. And it was just like this policy of racism until, you know, 1972, was it? Something, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just like how, like that's insane to even think that that was even acceptable. Well, and then you'd think, oh, well, maybe, you know, one of these other churches that sprung off of Joseph's thing, maybe that's, you know, more true because, you know, I I don't know about them, but maybe they didn't have that policy of racism, right? Like, I know a lot of them think that the church fell into apostasy with Brigham Young, right? Uh, And, you know, like, we just... (laughs) I accepted it all. Like I took it all and was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, you know, that's just how it was. Oh, it was a different time. And I was like a little high school apologist for all of it. And then that's the thing. You just start thinking about it and you're like, wait a second. (laughs) Maybe this doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's one thing that, that always bugs me was there's a lot of manipulation in the doctrine and covenants. Mm Mm-hmm. And it always, it was like, we'd read these things and I'd be like, like how convenient for Joseph Smith, right? So one is like Doctrine and Covenants section 19. And that's one where like 
probably 50% of missionaries read that and start crying. And because it's the one where, you know, part of it is, is Jesus talks about how if you don't repent, you'll be smitten and, and what suffering, you know, not it was suffering so intense that it made even myself, God, the greatest of all to tremble and have the bitter cup removed and stuff. And it's, you know, it's kind of this, well, the savior's talking first person about how painful the atonement was. And then you read to the end of it and it's like, yeah. And by the way, Martin Harris, pay all these debts that you don't want to pay that were incurred to print the book of Mormon. <laughs> you're like, and, and I remember reading things like that and I'd be like, this is weird because I've got this intense guilt trip and talking about eternal punishment. And then at the end, it's like Joseph Smith telling somebody to do something weird and administrative. <laughs> and like, and it's like that in Doctrine and Covenants section 132 as well. It's like, um, you're an elect lady, but if you don't do everything that your husband says, you'll be cast down into hellfire and let him marry as many virgins as he wants to. It's like, this is, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of sections in the Doctrine and Covenants that follow that pattern. And that was one thing where I, like, I'd read it in Elder's Quorum or Sunday School, and I'd be like, this is messed up. I'll just close the book and forget it's written there, right? Well, well, we were told that the Doctrine and Covenants was a series of answers to the saints asking questions, right? So there was like, there was this like higher doctrinal law or explanation and then the application to that individual in that situation. And, you know, I, every once in a while I'd read something in the Doctrine and Covenants be like, holy smokes, this is so applicable to me. But then, like you said, from section 19, like, whoa, like, I don't want this to be applicable to me. Um, and, you know, and then also the section 132, like talking about celestial marriage and polygamous relationships. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't want this to apply to me. Like completely. I just, yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of confusion and just like, how much do I accept? How much do I want to accept? How much do I have to accept? And just a constant like negotiation. Hmm. Yeah. And I, what was there, was there a straw that broke the camel's back for you? Or I guess in Mormon, Eric ex Mormon terminology that broke your shelf. Like, what was it? For me or counselor Davis for, for counselor Davis over there. Um, I think I shared this earlier, but I remember listening to this podcast that there was a guy that was studying you know, Joseph Smith and polygamy and everything shady that was done uh, during his uh, prophethood. And, you know, this guy was like reading different, um, you know, scholars about, you know, what the situation was, what was the context, you know, how should we understand what was going on? And this guy just had this fight in his mind, like, how do, how can I accept this? And then he just like, let it go. And just thought, you know, I don't have to believe this anymore because it is, it's, it's, it was so hard to believe the, the unbelievable story than it was to just forget about it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I, I, I heard that once and I was like, I, I will never get to that point. I'm so entrenched in my belief. I have so many um, spiritual experiences. I will never get to that point. And, you know, a couple of years later I was at that point. And, you know, it was just one thing after another. I don't know, the, the podcast, The Year of Polygamy, is, is pretty powerful. And that was what kind of got me on my, my path and just understanding that, yeah, Joseph Smith had all these wives. And for being such an important celestial law, polygamy, 
none of his other wives other than Emma got any airtime. And these were supposed to be elect ladies. These were supposed to be, you know, women that married the prophet. They would be up there with like, you know, the best of the best, uh, but we don't talk about them at all. Hmm. And, you know, that was one thing in that podcast that was like, yeah, like, why are we whitewashing this? Why are we avoiding this topic? It's so, apparently it's so fundamental to our salvation and the church, yet it gets absolutely no airtime. And it's something that we hide and run away from. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. If it's something so vital, and obviously it's a celestial principle. I mean, we know that. Uh, and And then we just kind of forget about it you know, oh yeah, that was just, just in the past, you know. But like the truth of the church is confirmed by our heritage, right? It's confirmed by our history. And that's, mm. that's why it's true. But when you, you know, attack true believing Mormons, and I shouldn't say attack, but when you question them about that history and do they actually believe it, you know, and then it's like, well, you know, I don't really have to believe that because we have the church now. Like, look what we have. It's like, well, no, no, no. The validity of the church is based in the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith. And, the, you know, the Brighamites, the church after Joseph Smith is significantly diff- different than the church of Joseph Smith. So what do you believe? Like, where's your foundation? Because if mm-hmm. you just want a narrative, you just want a belief structure, that's cool. Just don't shove it down my throat that this is the true and everlasting church because it's changed significantly. Right, right. Yeah, it's not uh, It's not as the same yesterday, today, and forever, you know, as, as you would be led to believe, right? Um, well, because if we call the church the Mormon church, Satan wins a little bit, right? Right, like, right. Way to throw, way to throw <laughs> like President Hinckley yeah. and President Monson under the bus by like, you know, I'm Mormon. Like, no, 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 no. The devil was winning a little bit with that, you know, church campaign. Like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty significant to say. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Gordon B. Hinckley was a, uh, like an apostate prophet. And, um, and that's why he couldn't tell that the salamander letters were forgeries. <laughs> Cause he didn't have this, he didn't have the spirit cause he was okay with the word Mormon. That makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> It's like that. That was one thing that was a bridge too far for me, which was when they they said that uh, when when Nelson said that everybody is eating it up, and and I was like, is everybody like on crazy pills? Like I feel like the emperor's clothes are uh, like the emperor has no clothes kind of situation, and I'm trying to say like the, the I'm a Mormon campaign and this talk that Hinckley gave, and I even read like when I was a missionary, Ballard said we should try and use the correct name of the church, but in most cases it'll be hard to avoid that or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, he even, he gave a talk and gave some wiggle room for just accepting the term Mormon. Right. But then Nelson says it and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, we've at last received a revelation from a prophet of God. And isn't this amazing? And nobody's like questioning anything. And I'm like, I can't, like, I can't do this. Uh, Yeah. Right. Everything, everything they say is a revelation until 10 years later or even a few years later when they receive another revelation that's opposite and they say oh that was just a policy yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. right exactly but it was but just- you said thus saith the lord 
I they <laughs> they probably have the, like that in a contract somewhere. Like when you become an apostle, you cannot say "Thus saith the Lord." Saith the Lord. Yeah. yeah, it all has to be. I believe, and I I, I think, and then well, that's how special got witness. demoted, right? He what? I said that's how Ukdorf got demoted. Oh, he he was speaking too much for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I like. It's so funny, like uh, when, and we've all done it, when you're in there, it's all like, yeah, like it, it makes sense, you know, and uh, I would, you know, say, say things in, in school to, to classmates, I, I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, like it doesn't, it make sense. And they're sitting there looking at me like I'm a crazy person. I'm thinking you're crazy, you know, like yeah. you, you don't understand. <laughs> I have I have the fullness of the gospel and I'm here I'm here to enlighten you and to save your soul and they're like uh uh-huh cuz you're part of like this weird country club like okay <laughs> Have you did you guys watch the flat earther documentary on Netflix? Uh no. At the end they do this experiment that proves the curvature of the earth and they do a flat earther is doing it though. He's setting it up and he's like oh, this is going to totally prove that the earth is flat. And then he does it. And, and he walks through both hypotheses. He's like, if the earth is flat, we should get this result. If the earth is curved, we should get this result. And then the last scene of the movie is him seeing the result that proves the curvature of the earth. And he's like, uh-oh. And then it cuts <laughs> to the credits. But I had, I had, a, I, like, I can remember having moments like that. One of them was Abinadi talks about a Trinitarian God. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that as a missionary and being like, uh-oh, <laughs> like this should not say this. If like, if, if God was, you know, two different people and Joseph Smith saw them both and this book is here to teach us the truth. It should not affirm a Trinitarian view, but here it is like a whole chapter. I was a missionary, I think when I was reading this and I was just like, I guess I'll just glue those pages together. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and that and Songs of Solomon. Yeah, my sister, yeah. <laughs> my sister ripped Songs of Solomon out of her Bible <laughs> in seminary. Our seminary teacher instructed us to. He's like, "Yeah, you can." He's like, "This doesn't really belong in here, so you can just like rip it out or use your black scripture marker and just you know cover over the whole thing." So she, yeah, she just tore it right out out of her scriptures. It's like, I yeah, this that isn't inspired. Song of Solomon was the only thing that got me through Old Testament seminary. It was like, dude, <laughs> breasts like bunches of grapes, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> some real melons. <laughs> like towers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine what this lady would have looked like, dude? <laughs> like, anyway. So, yeah. I'll, you know, everybody, everybody is a, um, like, on some level, a uh, buffet Mormon. Right. Like on, yeah. on some level, yeah. everybody's just kind of like, oh, I don't really agree with that, you know. And um, I was at a family thing last night and they were talking about um, it was so weird. We're 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 talking and I've got cousins who are twins and we're sitting there and they're like, what if we were conjoined twins? And, and then their their dad was like, oh, then would you have one one spirit? And it like becomes this whole like philosophical 
conversation about how spirits work and is it one per body or one per personality? And then it's like, oh, so do schizophrenic people and like people with multiple personality disorders have like multiple spirits? And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, guys, <laughs> like this is not a real conversation. Like you've got to be kidding me. Why? <laughs> like, why is this something that's being talked about around a campfire? <laughs> like what is going on? Well, we, you know, we, as young men and even after our missions, like we would get into conversations like that mm -hmm. and we would like use scripture to, as a crutch to support our position. And there was almost like, yeah, like I can kind of join these ideas together. So this must be like the spirit, like teaching us something. And there was like this, because we hold the priesthood and because we're using scripture, like what we're saying is truth. And you can really convince yourself to like nonsense. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, just like listening to priesthood holders. I remember bishops telling me, or one bishop in particular telling me that, you know, everything that's being done on the earth now was already done in heaven by the priesthood holders that have like passed on. And he's like, I can picture it. You know, it's like a warehouse. It's a factory. There's priesthood holders that are doing things that will be done here on earth. And they're all kind of like doing it spiritually before it physically happened. And he was like a hundred percent convinced. And I was, you know, his Padawan, like learning. Right. Right. You're like learning all of this and you're like eating it up. Right. You're, you're like, Oh wow. I remember, uh, such deep mysteries. Yeah. Such, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> deep, deep doctrine. I think Mormons have a very different idea of deep conversations than, than everybody else. Well, yeah, because yeah, we have Kolob. Right, right. Yeah, I remember I had to explain Kolob to, to somebody. This guy who just got baptized. We're sitting there in Elders Quorum, and, and they're like, what kind of lessons do we want to have this year, guys? And somebody's like, oh, Kolob, and everybody laughs. And this guy sitting beside me is like, what's Kolob? And I'm like, oh, boy, okay. And I, like, I just I told him, I'm like, yeah, it's like a thing in the scriptures nobody really knows what it is people have a lot of theories so like they're kidding just don't pay any attention to that <laughs> like just pretend nothing like you know like don't look into that uh, oh yeah like there's a reason why the pearl of great price is at the end and there's a reason why we only read two verses out of it right <laughs> right 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 there's a reason read why the it's the immortality back. and eternal life of men right and yeah. and chosen you were chosen the noble oh, and great right. ones and you were chosen before you were born right those right. are the only two things out of the pearl of great price we read other than that you may as well glue the rest of the pages together and try and forget about it right? just just cut those ones out we should make like yeah. um like a, a bible that's like a mormon friendly bible that takes out all the, the difficult stuff and <laughs> just like sticks to the things that toe the line of the church here's another one that i found in the book of mormon while i was still active was Alma the Younger, you know how his conversion story is told in Mosiah, and, and he tells it again in the book of Alma? Mm -hmm. At one point in time, it talks about how he was asleep for the space of three days. And then the other time he tells it, he talks about how they fasted, his family fasted and prayed for two nights and two days, or two days and two nights. And I remember, I'm like, wait a minute. Like I was reading it in a short period of time, probably when I was a missionary. I was like, wait a minute. The last time I read it, it was three days and three nights. Now it's two days and two nights. 
but that's how you know that it's true is because it's all it all ties together like it all work, works joseph well, smith was yeah, a master they, of continuity they fasted and prayed for two nights and two days but he wasn't necessarily asleep for two nights and two so days so did they give up on that the last just day how long yeah <laughs> right or maybe that took them a day of waiting until they decided to start fasting and praying. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. See, and, you know, speaking of ridiculousness, we're sitting here having a conversation about, like, a, a real, this is a real conversation we're having as grown-ups about a f Bible fan fiction and the the people who read it. You know, like... Could you imagine if we had a had a podcast that was like, oh, XX Harry Potter fans were like, oh, and these idiots, they like, you know, and Harry Potter does this. Like, how dumb is that? People go to the, they go to the movie theater wearing robes. Like, it's that? all it's all just such a joke. But even like even after leaving, we're sitting here <laughs> treating it like we're still talking. Yeah. Like, like it's it just, has merit. It's just so that's how big of an effect it has. Right. Like. Yeah, I bet you there there are people who probably like were huge Star Wars fans, and then they're like, and then Disney bought it, and they they betrayed me, so I I had to leave, I had to get out. Like Star Wars is an apostasy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, I've I've spoken to people who believe Star Wars is in a state of apostasy. They're like, Disney, <laughs> Disney, Disney just ruined everything. They took everything George Lucas made and they ruined it. I'm like, well, who sold? Lucasfilm and LucasArt to Disney. Right. George Lucas. George Lucas. George stop Lucas. that. Stop that. No, no. It was <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. It's Kathleen Kennedy's <laughs> fault. She did all of it. And she's ruined. I'm like, look, George Lucas does not care about Star Wars the same way you care about it. He cares about it to the tune of $4 billion in his pocket. Yeah. That's how much he cares about Star Wars, right? Well, he, he fucking filmed episode one. Obviously, he doesn't care about it. <laughs> like, it's garbage. Yeah. Hey, right? he just you take that back. Thing. I liked episode one. <laughs> I think, you, you know, episode one was bad. Episode two was terrible. Episode three was horrendous. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I love we've Revenge got, of like the Sith. We've got a Star Wars apologist here. <laughs> 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 true defender of the faith yeah you you, you, you can't the force, you can't change an apologist stripes you just he just changes what he's apologetic about <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah i need i need something new well after after yeah. leaving the church yeah. i had to i had to find a new religion i mean i was 12 when the prequels when episode one came out so to me it was amazing and that was, I think, what George Lucas was trying to do was make movies that would appeal to younger kids so he could sell more merchandise. Right. So it's a, in that like, view. I, I, don't, I don't think he was that smart, man. I think it was just like, <laughs> that's the story we're telling ourselves, just like in Mormonism. So, like, uh, we right? expected something special and it wasn't. So we're crafting right? this narrative. It like when people are saying like, oh, isn't it great? Like the prophet was preparing us for the pandemic because we started having a, a like a... A, a, like a centered a home centered home center. teaching um <laughs> curriculum he, he saw the pandemic coming right so yeah that's why we we're all having these lessons at home and so everyone was prepared to transi transition home yeah like, yeah nobody's doing I mean, that nobody's he didn't he didn't arrange for you know missionaries to go back to their country of origin or you know only issue calls to missionaries of their country of origin so that they you know wouldn't have to hire 
a full Boeing to fly all the missionaries home from the Philippines before lockdowns and, and didn't tell people to start stock holding masks. Uh, but Hey, home centered church is, I mean, if I was God, that's what I tell my people to do. Yeah. They, Proof in the pudding, man. You just, you just look at one thing. Oh, it works. You know, like that fits, yeah. that fits my narrative. But then once yeah. you, once you zoom out and you're like, wait a second, people are like, Oh, well, polygamy, like it has to do with their, you know, like eternal families and being connected. And then some people will be like, oh, well, it has to do with, um, you know, like bringing more souls, you know, like building up the population of the church with babies. Right. But then you're like, so what about Joseph the didn't 14 have year any babies with his 40 wives? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, wait a second. Wait a second. Well, then it doesn't matter because they were non-sexual. Right, apparently, right. <laughs> because there's apparently, no proof. except for the twelve no, that weren't. He had he had right. no children, so you know, even better, even right. better, because that means it was just a spiritual thing. You know, one thing as we're talking about these apologetics, one thing that I can say, you know, I'm thankful for my time in the church is that I am definitely better to spin bullshit answers when my boss puts the screws to me on something. <laughs> You know, like sometimes you get questions about things where you're like, this is probably not as big of a deal as what he's making it. So how can I give an answer so that he goes away? I just get back into the same mindset of, well, you know, if it was that way, really, then it's not really that way. And well, just if I keep talking, he'll stop asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just kind of you just kind of keep keep going be like, just roll with it until I it's just all... know how to spin yarn now. It's yeah. just how big of a tail do you want on? why this isn't as bad as what you think it is yeah yeah it's like excuse making school <laughs> well it's like <laughs> like you 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 flip the you flip the table on them right you just start gaslighting them like no no yeah. no i had uh, finished uh, that and you just yeah. missed it yeah yeah do you want me to pull I up sent, the email I, I don't know yeah. <laughs> oh it it, sh it should be in there it it should it should be up it, i mean i i put I, it in the folder Oh, oh, okay. You must I know have what deleted happened. it. You yeah, must have you must deleted, have deleted it. it. And your your trash is empty now, so here. Yeah, I've <laughs> got you, it in my you, sent folder. And you left the church because you wanted to sin. You know, you just you just couldn't hack it anymore, right? You just wanted to sin. That's why you're not a member of the church anymore. Oh brother. Yeah, oh. I love that one. That's my that's my favorite. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. What? <laughs> no. No. Uh I care about the truth. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I've talked to so many people and they're like, oh, it doesn't matter to me if it's true or not. I'm like, oh, like, okay. Like that's the end of the conversation. You can't do anything with that. <laughs> it gives me a good opportunity to serve. That one oh. is like the last, that is the last bastion of hope. I think that somebody right. holds out for it. As soon as I hear somebody say, I just think it gives me lots of opportunities to serve. I'm like, okay. There is nothing left here. It's going to be one life event and you're out. Yeah. 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 Those are the people who, oh, they got offended and then they left. It's like, yeah, yeah I, like they already realized there were a lot of issues. And then when they realized they weren't socially welcome, they said, okay, well, I'll go. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'll make friends elsewhere. Thanks for that. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah. Any any other ridiculous points? We got to wrap this this bad boy up soon. But it's fun to have these these episodes where we just kind of yeah, wasn't that silly? I guess one final thought for me is just the the emphasis on you know really really unimportant things like uh, drinking Coke and you know other you know other things that were so. I guess the sort the story that I'm kind of stemming from is that I uh, dated this girl and her um, her brother-in-law was uh, super righteous. He's he's a super young state president currently, and he lost his mind over the suggestion that his child drink some Coca-Cola because she had an upset stomach, you know, because my girlfriend and her sister who was married to this man, uh, they would drink Coke when they were little, you know, just clean out their gut because actually Coca-Cola is pretty good at cleaning out your gut and, you know, and your bowel and whatnot. But he, you know, he was so beside himself that that was even suggested. And, um, and I just thought, you know, I used to be like that. I used to get hung up on these small little things. And every once in a while, there'd be like a reminder of, you know, what actually was important. But we get so fixated on these tiny, tiny things that at the end of the day have no impact, but we give them so much clout in our lives. Yeah. I actually dumped out yeah, a I, friend's Coke once because I was like, you can't drink that stuff. And I just like dumped I it threw out. A Keur- oh, sorry. I threw a Keurig into a snowbank when my wife left the church and bought a Keurig to have coffee at home. <laughs> <laughs> it was just that like, because when your spouse, I think what, like when your spouse tells you they're leaving the church, they may as well tell you like they're having an affair. Like it feels like such a monumental betrayal because you went in on your, your marriage with, with one life goal and one life plan. And then your spouse just comes and says, yeah, about the foundation I'm just not doing it anymore. And mm-hmm. so it was like, okay, I'm trying to make, and then she got a cure, a friend bought her a Keurig actually. And then she bought coffee pods. And I was like, what is this? Cause it was normalizing, breaking the word of wisdom in front of my kids in my mind. And I was like, I can't, okay, you can do whatever the hell you want, but we are still, the rest of the family's going the, we're sticking to the path. Right. And so she was like, I don't care. Like, this is not like, well, you know, and I'm not going to have the kids think I'm evil because I have coffee. And and then I just ended up uh, throwing the Keurig in the <laughs> snowbank. That's, it, that's brutal. It was, it Bishop was just Jensen. Yeah, yeah. When she, I when I found she, out that yeah, when I found out that my wife was uh, going through the drive-through at Tim Hortons and buying coffee, right. that I that was like a coming to Jesus moment. I was like, no, you won't do that. <laughs> and like, she was, she was so terrified uh, yeah. to tell me. And I'm like, yeah, now it's just like, like, so funny, like having a cup of coffee, like once a week, it, like, it was like, yeah. Anyways, that's so funny. I didn't throw a Keurig in the snow drift though, but I, I got pretty mad. Oh. <laughs> One thing for, well, Mark, we both worked at, uh, we both, I did the inventory count at Big Rock Brewery and I remember going there and talking to the brewmaster and the thing that surprised me was that everything was like so clean and well organized and I just thought no it's a brewery this should be like a <laughs> land of debauchery and this it's is like, Satan's playground at, yeah and it's like wow this is like a very well run clean manufacturing operation really and these people are really really smart and they can talk to me about everything they're doing in the fermentation process and the you know and, and they can explain in such detail and they're all really, really smart. 
and maybe beer isn't as bad as what I always thought it was. Like, yeah, Big Rock Brewery was the demise of my faith as well, Andrew. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, 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 no. I wish I man they they offered us beers like every Thursday and Friday when we were on the audit, and I was like, yeah. I you know I held on to that belief like i'm i'm the only true independent auditor because i'm not drinking their filth <laughs> that they that they offer yeah, they're, us they're, everyone they're everyone in the everybody office could have a beer you know after 3 p.m on thursdays and fridays including the auditors yeah. but i was yeah. like no 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 like i said it jokingly but like it was like yeah like i'm i'm a legit independent auditor i'm not yeah. being swayed by their gifts you're the light on a hill man you're setting the example <laughs> i'm not gonna hide my light in a bushel yeah yeah, why why would you do that? Uh the this was great. I feel like that's a that's a, an appropriate place to wrap up this conversation on how silly we were and the stupid things we did from being offended by coffee in so many various ways and by coke and all these little things that you know don't matter. Uh Yeah. So Thank you, everybody. Um, that's that's all the time we've got for today. And I guess with that, I'll just close in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.